Good morning and welcome to Go in Peace, a daily podcast from the Houghton College Chapel Office, where each day we take a look at one of our college lectionary texts and we ponder provocative thoughts so that we can truly go in peace to love and serve the Lord. My name is Michael Jordan. I'm Dean of the Chapel. Today is Tuesday, October 6th, and this week we're looking at passages about worship. And if you'd like to follow along with our college lectionary, you can find it at the Spiritual Life page on Houghton's website. I'll go ahead and share with you today's texts, which are Psalm 22, 22-31, Deuteronomy 11, 13-21, and Hebrews 9, 1-10. And I'll go ahead and share with you uh, from Deuteronomy 11. And I'll start in, let's see, I'll, I'll go ahead and read the whole thing, start in verse 13. If you will only heed his every commandment that I am commanding you today, loving the Lord your God and serving him with all your heart and soul, then he will give you rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the later rain, and you will gather in your grain, your wine, and your oil. He will give grass in your fields for your livestock, and you will eat your fill. Take care, or you will be seduced into turning away, serving other gods and worshiping them. For then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens, so there will be no rain, and the land will yield no fruit. Then you will perish quickly from the good land that the Lord is giving you. You shall put these words of mine in your heart and soul. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you're at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your ancestors to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. So much of evangelical worship is didactic. It's teaching. In fact, um, most non-denominational churches and most free churches even connected with the denomination these days will often kind of split their Sunday service into two things. The part at the beginning, uh, which consists of singing mostly, and maybe some scripture reading, is called the worship. And then the second half, which is a sermon, is called the teaching. And so we have worship and teaching. And of course, of course as a, a preacher, uh, I take very seriously a distinction between preaching and teaching. We can talk about this another time. But um, the fact that we talk about worship and teaching as central to what we do um, really suggests there's like a, a core of information we're trying to give to people when we worship. We're trying to either provide them kind of moralistic instruction, stuff that you should go and do, or we're trying to provide them with content, things they might need to know and things they might need to understand. Uh, very often, uh, uh, a good sermon, you know, we might talk about a meaty sermon, a sermon with some meat to it. It often means that it's been a sermon that we found especially instructive. There was something new that we learned that we didn't know before. And uh, I, I affirm that teaching is an important part of what happens in worship, but I, I think sometimes we need to move it off the throne a little bit. And this passage provides some of that thinking for me. Um, in this passage, right, it starts off with Moses saying, be careful or you're going to be seduced into worshiping other gods. And that's, that's a really interesting thought, right? The idea that we are seduced into worshiping other beings. Um, I, 
am not frequently seduced. Uh, that's language we often use when talking about sexuality and love, right? And the idea that someone is seducing you means they're kind of appealing to you at a, a non-rational level. This is not someone coming up to you and saying, well, here are the good reasons why we should be lovers. Yeah, and here's, you know, reason A and then sub-reason point one, etc. No, there's kind of a reality to something like seduction that is distinctly non-rational. Uh, it's, it's not appealing to, to teaching and learning. It's more of a reality. And Moses recognizes that we are drawn to worship in that way. We are, in similar ways, moved to worship, not by necessarily what we believe in our heads, but because we're worshiping creatures. We're going to give our allegiance and loyalty somehow. And often we're going to make that decision not based on a rational sort of point A, sub point one way of making that decision. There's going to be something that appeals to us in a moment, a certain image of what a God represents. And that is going to draw us in and, and it's going to attach our, it's going to grab our loyalty and hang on to it. And our loyalty is going to be affixed to that, uh, to that God, be it the biblical God or be it an idol. So, Moses' instruction about what to do then is to teach, but he doesn't locate teaching in worship. <laughs> he says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and your mind, right? Bind them as an emblem on your forehead. Teach them to your children. None of that, Moses pictures, happening in a moment of worship with other gods. That's something that takes place outside of worship, but it really radically orients the God that we're drawn to worship. Does that make sense? Like Moses is saying, the better we internalize and understand the word of God, both in our brains, but also in our hearts, the more that that word is written in there and feels like home to us, the more that that's really internally part of who we are, the easier it's going to be for our compass to be drawn towards the true north that is the biblical God, and the less likely that we're going to be drawn in to some other God. So as we learn and understand the word of God, both, both the written word of God and as we come to understand the living word of God in Jesus, our hearts naturally are going to be drawn toward him. So to me, we always get a little bit backwards when we take worship time to focus on teaching. Because teaching, if it happens outside of worship, what it does is orient our hearts to worship the right thing. <laughs> it makes it easier for us to worship God instead of just, you know, the many, many other things that are vying for our attention that would be our God. And, uh, you know, it's for that reason that, that I'm, you know, I, I have what I know is sort of a romantic fascination with the monastic life. I don't think I would actually want to be a monk. But that idea of a constant life of psalm and prayer, the goal of that constant life is to sort of have that word living in you so that you only want to worship the true and living God, so that our emotions, our feelings, our sensations don't have to be things that we're always, always scrutinizing, but so that we can say, the more I know God, the more that I can trust that those, those things that are drawing me are actually drawing me toward the biblical God. And so I just encourage you today, I think sometimes we load so much onto the Sunday experience as evangelical Christians we should be thinking about what we're doing with the rest of our time. What are we doing uh, in those other, whatever, 167 hours a week that help to orient our heart in one way or the other, that make it more or less likely that we're going to follow the biblical God or fall for some idol? 
and teaching, you know, part of why I love what I do at a Christian liberal arts college is it's that kind of thing, right? We do, my job is to help kind of set the spiritual table so that people can go and do this, the scary and hard work of the classroom where we get to know each other and are challenged by each other, etc. But it's also a place where that head work is really valued because that head work, that, that intellectual work, helps shape then how we walk through our lives and how we go from, from Houghton to worship. So such a privileged place to live at that corner of heart and mind. And we'll just encourage you to spend some time there in the upcoming week. Let me pray for you. God, we're thankful um, that you, you, uh, you draw us to yourself in ways that um, are beautiful and non-rational. Uh, you know, that we are not just, um, we don't just decide to follow you because we rationally fit, uh, weigh different options and say, you know what, this is really the best option for me. But that you speak to our hearts and there's something beautiful about life with you that draws us in and, and seduces us um, to you, to you, the lover of our souls. And so, God, we, we thank you for that reality, but we're also really aware of how easily that can go, uh, can go sour. I know, God, that it's easy for me to um, be seduced by other things. And the only thing that can help is when we have these words of yours fixed in our hearts and minds so that as our emotions and as our sensations draw us, they draw us closer to you uh, and that we find you more beautiful as you truly are. Thanks for this time together and we pray that it might be a little peace in that direction in the lives of those who are listening today. We ask this through Christ. Amen. Well, as always, thanks for being here with us and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.